you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Oh, is anybody like hungry this morning for the Word of God? See, because if you're not hungry, it's probably because you're full of something else. Amen? Thank, amen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, he, here's what I want you to do. I want you to all stand up for a minute. I want us to play a quick game this morning. Yeah, all right. All right. It's a really simple game. It goes like this. Simon says this. Do this. Simon says do this. Simon says do this. Simon says, do this. See, Simon Says is a really simple game. And in order to win, all you have to do is do what Simon Says. Right? Simon Says, do this. Simon Says, do this. Do this. Sit down if you did it. See, Simon Says is a simple game. But if you listen to the other voice, you lose. If you listen to the wrong voice, you lose. Simon says, do this. Simon says, do this. Do this. Do this. Sit down. Sit down. Everybody, sit down. Whoever blew that. See, Simon says, do this. Simon says, do this. Do this. Do this. Sit down. I saw people over there. See, it's a simple game. All you have to do is listen to what Simon says. Now, if you're not paying attention to what Simon says, you will lose. Amen? Do this. Sit down. Simon says, do this. Simon says, do this. Simon says, do this. Do this. Sit down. See, if, if you're not paying attention, listen, if you're not going to listen to Simon and you're going to follow other people, you better make sure that those people are going to do what Simon says. Because in order to be in victory, you need to do what Simon says. It's a very simple game. Simon says, stop. Simon says, start. Stop. Sit down. See, it's a very simple game, and, and sometimes, some, Simon says, put your arms out. Sometimes, Simon will leave you in a difficult situation. Sometimes, Simon will leave you in a tiring position, in a problematic situation. Put your hands down. Sit down. See, and sometimes Simon will leave you there, and he won't say anything for a while. Sometimes Simon will leave you in that position um, just to... See, because see, sometimes Simon tests you. Come on, this is good. Sometimes Simon tests you just to see if you would listen to Simon. I can't believe there's so many people sitting down already. Sometimes Simon will leave you in a problematic situation and what you need to do to achieve victory is to wait and listen and do not make a move until Simon says. Say amen if you already got the sermon. Simon says, put your hands down. 
See, sometimes you'll find yourself in a hard situation. Sometimes you'll find yourself in a tough place. And, and your natural self will say, well, I'm just going to do this. Or I'm just going to do this. I'll just leave this church. I'll just leave the city. I'll just move here. I'll just go here. I'll just hook up. I just won't hook up. I'll just break. And, and if you don't listen to Simon, you're going to lose. Is that a simple word? Simon says you can be seated. In order to have victory, we just need to do what Simon says. Right, Candace? Come on. I know that's right. Here's my quote for this morning. I couldn't make up my mind, so I got a couple of quotes this morning. The first one is this. Problems are messages. Mm. Mm. Problems are messages. That's all some of you needed. You can go home, be blessed. The rest of you hold on. Here's another one. Even your darkest hour has but 60 minutes. High five. Even your darkest hour has but 60 minutes. Here's another one. We turn to God for help when our foundations are shaking, only to learn sometimes it is God that is shaking our foundations. Woo! I just do an altar call. Everybody, come up. Come on. I want to share a message with you today simply titled, What Simon Says. And I hope that we are um, spiritually astute enough to know that when I say Simon says, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not calling on another God or I'm not talking about somebody else. I'm, I'm just referring to God as Simon today. I'm making it personal. When Simon says do something, we should just do it. Amen? All right. So I want to share something with you re real quick. I had a dream this week. And I'm not going to tell you the whole, the whole dream because it was a message that God had for me and it was a beautiful message, encouraging, and I needed that. But, but something kind of weird happened at the end of this dream. See, as soon as I finished the dream, I was third awake and I woke up and the first thing I did was lift my head and I looked at the, the clock and it said 3.50 a.m. All right, no big deal. I just said, wow, that stinks. You know, I only have a little bit while more to sleep, and, but all right. I went back to sleep. The next day, I went ahead and, and, and uh, I was praying about the dream because when I, when, see, when you wake up and you remember a dream in detail, in full vivid color, you have to start to think, man, maybe God is trying to tell me something. So, so of course, I called Pastor Gary. I sent the dream, this is a commercial, to dreams at sanctuaryfellowship.org. It's free. I'm not trying to sell anything. You send your dreams. We'll pray. We'll try to interpret it according to biblical, biblical um, methods and, and we'll return. Has anybody done that already? How many of us have, have heard some awesome messages from God through a dream? Amen. So, all right. So, then I, I did that. And the next morning, the next night, I'm, I'm in bed. And I get stirred awake again. I didn't have a dream, but I get stirred awake again. I lift my head up and I look at the clock. And it's 3.50 again. How many of you know if you wanted to, you couldn't wake up in the same minute Right? If I wanted to, I couldn't do that. I have an alarm clock that wakes me up and I don't wake up at the same minute. Sometimes it takes me three or four minutes. Sometimes right away, 30 seconds. Sometimes, you know, I got the second alarm that wakes me up. I got a backup. Right? So, so even if I wanted to, I couldn't wake up on the same minute, even with an alarm clock. 
So here I am at the same time, woken up in the same exact minute, two days in a row. I said, Lord, you're telling me something. What are, what are, what are you saying to me? What is this 350? And see, let me give you a side note. I believe God still speaks to us. Amen? I believe God speaks to us in dreams, in visions. He, God, I, I said it at the youth rally, God has this huge sidekick in heaven, and God will send me messages all day. And, and the thing is, are we listening? Are we listening to what Simon says? Amen? Now you want to worship? So, so I, I believe God still speaks to us, and you know, I, I, I want you to be encouraged about that. I don't think anything has changed. The Word says God is the same yesterday, today. I, I, I read so many um, articles and commentaries and things, and I hear how people say, well, the miracles have ceased, and, and God's Spirit and that stuff has ceased, and, and that was for biblical times, just to establish the church. And, and that was for, for that season and for that. I, I don't read anywhere where it says that. I, I believe God is the same yesterday, today, and always. And so I believe God still speaks to us. Amen? And if anything has changed, it's that Jesus came and reconciled me to God. And with that reconciliation, if we're a believer, God says that we've been given a new heart and it's been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So if anything has changed... I should get a stronger signal. Come on, nobody got that? If anything has changed, if, we, if we're talking about technology, I got a better cell phone with better coverage and a stronger signal. You understand what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is now inside me. God doesn't have to um, ignite a burning bush to catch my attention. God doesn't have to have a jackass speak to me as in the book of... Right? God, God can just... just I, I have a better connection with God now because I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's some of your attention now? I meet a lot of people and I talk to a lot of people and, and my heart, I mean, if you know me, I just, I want to help people. And so when somebody says, I need to talk to you, I, 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 I want us to meet, man, I'll do it again and again and again and again. And some of you cannot because you know, we'll meet again and again and again. And it could be about the same thing again and again and again because I just, I really want to help people. I really want, you know, people to, to be strong. I want people to be, to, to, to walk in the way, you know, God has them to walk. But I I have to tell you that 85 to 90 percent of the time when I meet with someone they already know what to do right 85 to 90 percent of the time they already know what I'm gonna tell them so it's like so, so why George I, you don't need me right why a counselor why you already know and you know why because if you're a believer you've been sealed with the spirit of god and one name of the word of to uh, to the spirit of god his name is mighty god and his name is wonderful counselor amen so you see that's a much better counselor than i could ever be no matter how many initials i get after my name he there's a wonderful counselor that's sealed in, in each and every one of us the problem is we don't listen to what simon says because we don't really trust simon why don't we trust simon most of the reason we don't trust simon is because we don't really know him Say amen. 
See, you might know a verse or two, you might heard a teaching here or there about this or that, but we don't really know him because we don't take the time to know him. I'll give you an example. At the other church when we first started and, and Pastor Gary and I were teaching about this and we were telling people, man, you can hear from God. God speaks to you. Man, God wants to talk to you. And, and I had this one young cat, he was excited and he came to me, oh man, the Lord is speaking to me, the Lord is speaking. And I said, wow, amen, brother, amen. What is, and then he started telling me what God has been telling him to do and I said you don't know God God would not say that you know when people get that off the wall type of stuff and they said the God is telling me no God is not God will never tell you to do something that's against his word say amen but if you don't know his word then you don't know what he sounds like and you don't know how he speaks and you don't know the things he would say so it's easy to hear another voice simon says do this do this just do this just do this just do this amen if you don't know simon if you don't know what simon says then it's easy see there's a danger in being a prophetic church and there's a danger in being a prophetic people which i believe that we are called to be and which we are. And, and, and if you don't like it, wrong place for you. Amen? Because I don't plan on going back. I don't plan on changing. Once, once I, I hear God giving me directions, once God is in my life giving me dreams, once God is telling me go left, and when I thought I had to go right, and I go left, and I see what would have happened if I went right, I'll never go back to not hearing from God for myself. Amen? So see, there's a danger in being a prophetic people, which we are and which we're called to be, and it's that you cannot separate the prophetic from the word. Amen? You can't separate. See, where there is little word, there is little truth. Where there, and, and you see, the danger in not being a prophetic church, the danger in not being a prophetic people is that we stay stagnant with the same dead word. Okay? And the word of God says that the word of God is alive and active. And so if something is alive and active, it should be interfering in my life. Amen? It shouldn't be just, let me read the little Jonah and the whale, and the whale swallowed Jonah. Okay, so application for me today would be uh, don't fish. Or, I, I don't No, it should be alive and active. It should be whatever I read, something would happen this week that would bring me, oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And, and God should be sending me text messages all week long. Amen? See, see, when you sign up to be a believer, you get unlimited text messages from God. Woo, that's good. That wasn't even in here. That's good. You get unlimited text messages because there's no charge for them. God will send you all the text messages you can receive and will listen to. The text messages will stop when you keep ignoring them. Mm. You keep ignoring them, they will stop. Because he said, why am I sending messages that you are going to skip? If you put God in your spam folder, then he will no longer waste messages on you. See, the prophetic without the Bible is just new age, psychics, astrology, numerology, horoscopes, spirit mediums, spirit channeling. The prophetic without the word is an abomination to God. Thank you. Toyin, I needed that. 
And Simon says clearly in his word, do not do that. Don't do that. So the interpretation of that little piece of the dream, let, let me give that to you because that's incredible. Remember, I was woken up two days in a row at 3.50 a.m. exactly in the same minute. I said, God, what are you showing me? Well, guess what? Three it represents God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three is clear. We're talking about God. Fifty in the Jewish history, fifty is the year of Jubilee. Does anybody know what the year of Jubilee is? See, because I've been stressing about my, my, my house is on the market and, and you know, I'm, 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 I hold on to things very loosely. I say, I say God, whatever you give me, I'll, I'll receive whatever you want to take away, take away. Amen? Because if you hold on to things, they become an idol. And so, God, I had this house for 10 years. I raised my kids in this house. If you want me to move on, I'll move on. I put a sign on the house. It's for sale. I don't care. I don't need the house. I need to be where God wants me to be. You understand? But I've been stressing because of the finances and because of all this. God, God, you know. And so God sends me this message. He said, I'll stir you awake at 350 because I want you to know that I'm God. And I want you to know that there's a season coming. And it's a year of jubilee. And what happens in the year of jubilee in Jewish history, check this out, all debts are forgiven. Say, I wish I was Jewish for a minute. And all debts are forgiven on the year of Jubilee. Guess what? A lot of times um, in, that, in that season, if, if I can't afford and whatever, I had to sell myself into slavery. I'd have to sell my kids into slavery. I'd have to sell my property. I'd have to sell everything. The year of Jubilee, I get everything back. Me and Sal are excited, that's it. The year of Jubilee, you get everything back. You get everything restored. You return back to your family's property. Your debts are forgiven. Amen? That's an important message. I don't know about you, but I needed, to, I needed that message. And, you know, I, 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 I received that. And part of that whole dream and the word was, listen, do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, you will reap. Nobody got excited about that? It's, it's, a, it's a scripture. I didn't make it up. It's from Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and in doing right. For in due time and at the appointed season, we shall reap if we don't loosen or relax our courage and faint. Anybody feel like fainting lately? Anybody feel like giving up lately? Anybody feel like, you know, I've been, I've been coming to church for three weeks. I'm trying to do the right thing. Things just ain't going right, man. Right? It's funny how we give God like the limited time, right? God, three, I came to church three times. What do you want? Que más quiere? Right? Three weeks in a row, I could have slept. I could have hung out with my kids. I could have hung out with my wife. Three weeks in a row, God, I came to church. Here's the even better one. God, I gave $20 in, in, in the offering. What, what do you want? I gave you everything I had. Right? We spent $69 on a video game, but God, I gave you $20. What do you want? So what do you want? You, you want my, you know, all right, you know, and, and, and so we have this thing, but, but, but God says, listen, and, and, and the word today is telling you, just do what Simon says. Don't grow weary in doing good because in doing good there will be an appointed time and an appointed season when you will reap. Amen? There's a season coming. Who receives that today? See, this message, I don't care if none of you showed up today. I would have preached this because I needed to hear it. 
this message is for me. If nobody wants it, I'll take it all for me. And every week after this, I'll just tell you the blessings that came from it. And you guys can do whatever you want to do. I need this message. This was critical to me. And so I received this word today. I need this for my life. And see, God doesn't get our attention. God, God doesn't stir me at 3.50 in the morning twice, two times in a row. Or, or, or God doesn't get a word to us so that we won't do nothing. If God is, is getting, whenever in the word of God, God got somebody's attention and gave him a word, it's because something was about to happen. Amen? I believe something is about to happen. And when you do what Simon says, there is a due time and an appointed season. Is anybody hungry for more of God? Come on. If you're not hungry, it's because you're full of something else. Don't come here full of something else. Come here hungry. Don't eat spiritually before you come here. Don't eat other stuff before you come here. Come hungry. Amen? Come to the Word of God hungry. When you go to the Word of God tired, you will just fall asleep. Go to the Word of God desperate. Come to the Word of God hungry. And you'll receive fresh bread to eat. Say amen. Alright. So what I want to do today, I want to set the stage. See, I want to do a sermon series on the life of Elijah. Man, I'm excited. See, I believe when we're done with this series, we are going to start to see the power and spirit moving in the church, moving in the ministries of this church, in the power and spirit of Elijah. I believe God is calling a generation to, to, to be this kind of Elijah generation. I receive it for me, I receive it for our youth, for our young people, for our children that are being trained up right now. And so I want to start this series on Elijah. I want to start it right where Elijah shows up. It's in 1 Kings 17. You can turn to there if you want, but I'm not going to read the whole passage. It's too long. And, and I notice that when you read scripture, people just nod out. I don't know why, but when you read a long passage, people fall asleep. Maybe because they're full of something else. I don't know. So I'm just going to tell you the story. Let me tell you what happened in 1 Kings 17. I love telling stories. I'm a storyteller. That usually means in Spanish that you're a mentiroso. Right? So I was a storyteller all my life. You ask my poor cousins, I used to lie to them about everything. I used to lie for no reason. How many of you was just liars for no reason? Right? My, my cousin Eric will tell you, I used to tell him I had superpowers. I used to tell him, right, I was a superhero. I used to tell him I had, I had heat vision. You thought you were the only one? I did that. Yeah. I told all my, my younger cousins I had heat vision. And one time there was a rug in my room and it was burnt. And so I did the whole watch, watch, watch. And then I showed them and they were like, oh, it's true. Yeah? I had my wife believe in things as kids. Forget it. Anyway, I was a mentiroso and a half. But God just uses that in me. I'm a storyteller. Amen. And so now I tell stories for truth. I still, I still, I tell, I still Tories. I still Tories. I tell stories for truth. So here we are, 1 Kings 17, and, and Israel, the, the people of God are at it again. Man, they're in trouble. Once again, they've turned to just living loose and reckless, and they're, they're far from doing what Simon says. They have turned Israel, I mean, over to this king, and this king Ahab comes in, and, and Ahab did wicked things in the, in the sight of the Lord, and one thing that he did, he took this wife, and this name, we hear it all through Christian circles. There's seminars about this woman. There is, it's the worst name you could say in the body, in, in any church. And it's Jezebel. 
Right? Anybody heard about the Jezebel spirit? Anyway. So he takes this queen, this, this, this wife named Jezebel. She's the, a foreign wife who's the daughter of a king of the Phoenicians, people that are just wicked. They serve all kinds of, of crazy gods. Right? And so now, being that she is kind of ruling the king, she, she makes all the, uh, uh, the people of God and, and, you know, the people under the rule, she makes them worshipers of Baal, or Baal, or I don't know how you say it, but you understand. Read it in the word, it's B-A-A-L. So she makes all these people worship Baal. Now, Baal was the god of fertility and agriculture. Isn't it funny how we like give God categories and this God is in charge of that, and this God, isn't it silly? If, if God only had a little compartment, He ain't God. If my God can't do anything, everything, then I don't need Him, right? But anyway, that's how these people think. And so God was this God of agriculture. He was the, and, and, and she introduced and enforced the worship of Baal on God's people. And then out of nowhere, this man comes who hears the word of God, Elijah, we, we have no history of him. He just shows up here and he, he, he gets a word from the Lord and he goes to the king and he says, King, as surely as my God lives, there will be no rain in the land until I say so. Now, why does that matter? Remember, they worship the God who controls agriculture, so Baal controls the rain. Okay? So they worship a God who they think controls the rain. When it didn't rain in time for their crops and things like that, they would sacrifice babies. They would, I mean, this God would call for everything that would defile a person. And so this God controlled the rain and this little man comes to King Ahab and he tells him, the word of the Lord, as surely as my God lives, there will be no rain until I say so. And he, what's your name? His name is Elijah. You know what Elijah means? My God is Yahweh. Come on, this is cool. So he shows up with saying, well, who are you? My God is Yahweh. And I say by that God, who is my name, who my name is, that he is my God. There will be no rain in the land until I say so. And then the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and tells him, get out of there. Right? So God uses him to go give this message and then God says, now break out. You got to get out of there. Probably for his own protection, probably because they were going to kill him. Probably because of the blasphemous things that he's saying. He's saying that his God is the one that controls the rain. You understand? So that's a real big thing. When I tell you my God is bigger than your God... We're going to fight, right? So God tells him, get out of there. And, and he tells him, go to this far away, uninhabited, deserted brook. A brook is a little stream of water, okay? It's not a big lake. It's not a big river. It, it's a little stream of water. He tells him, go to this brook. And there, the ravens will feed you and the brook will give you drink. So in other words, God sends him away. Just hide. Go to this place where there's no people, there's nothing to hide. The birds are going to feed you and the brook is going to give you water. Now, think about that. And, well, it says in the next breath, he didn't care. In the next breath, Simon goes. Simon said go, so he went, right? And then the next breath, he is by the brook. But I want you to think about that. A brook is a small stream that only exists from the abundance of water from rain. He just said, it is not going to rain again until I say so. 
So his source is a brook that's dependent on the rain and God is sending him there as his source to feed him. But you got to think that the brook ain't going to last too long, right? If you were thinking, if you were analyzing, we'd say, you're sending me to a brook that's not going to be there very much longer, right? And so, you know, he, he, he goes and, of course, by... See, see, God already knew that the drought was going to last three and a half years. Say, that's a long time with no rain. The brook is going to be dry. Amen? So it says right there, verse 7, it says, after a while, the brook dried up. Ever wonder why God's provision is sometimes barely just enough? No, just me? You all are all such great Christians. I'm the only one that questions God sometimes. Amen. One day I want to be like you guys. Because I wonder sometimes, like, God, you want me to have joy and abundant life and then let me hit the lotto. I, I got a simple explanation. Why I got to live check the check? Why I got to be just barely enough sometimes? Amen? You never asked that? Thank you. One guy's honest. Amen. So, um, you, you ever wonder why God's supplies sometimes dries up? Come on, somebody needs this word today. Listen, I'm still learning this, but, but sometimes, and we see it throughout the whole word of God, and we feel it in many of our lives, sometimes at one point or another, God's source, where God sent us, where God told us to be, we did what Simon says, but the thing dries up. Amen? I believe it's because God doesn't want us to rely on the supply. He wants us to rely on the supplier. Amen? I know that's real basic Christianity, but God, God doesn't want us to rely on the supply. He doesn't want us to rely on what we have, on what we can see. He wants us to keep our trust in the supplier. And so, it dries up. What's awesome in verse 7, it, in verse 7 it says the brook dries up. God's supply of fresh water was no longer available. But by verse 8, the word of the Lord came to Elijah with a new source. How many thank God for verse 8? Thank God that 8 comes right after 7. Amen? Thank God it wasn't verse 15. Thank God it wasn't 2 Kings chapter 11 or something. It was verse 7, the brook dried up. Verse 8, the word of the Lord came to Elijah with a new source. Amen? I'm, I got excited about that. I said, man, right now I'm in between 7 and 8. There's not a lot of room here. Amen? There's not real much farther to go. There's a season coming where 8 is going to come. Come on. Who receives that today? See, God will not allow the place that... Well, wait, wait. God will allow the place that you're in to dry up, but He will not leave His people dry. If the place you're in has dried up, meaning it has no refreshing for you, there's no living water, there's no fresh bread anymore, listen, don't move until Simon says so, because there's a verse 8 coming. There's a verse 8 coming, and the verse 8 says this, The word of the Lord came to Elijah and said to him, Go to Zarephath. I have commanded there a widow to take care of you. Say amen. God commands people to take care of his people. Come on. God commands 
It is the job of the wicked to store up riches, but the wealth of the wicked is given to the righteous. Come on, anybody believe that? I'm not preaching prosperity. I'm not preaching all that. I'm, I'm telling you, sometimes God will leave you in a dry place, but God will never let you be dry. Amen? If you just stop moving until Simon says so. Stop going. The answer is not in another church. The answer is not in another pastor. The answer is not in another relationship. The answer is not in another boyfriend or another girlfriend or another set of friends. The answer is not in another school. The answer is not in another drug. The answer is not in another drink. The answer is you have to wait for God to tell you what to do. Wait for Simon to say so. Amen? So again, Simon says, arise and go, and he goes. Instantly, instantly, he says, amen, I ain't sticking around here. The bird probably ain't going to come back. There's no water. You tell me to go, I'm gone. Amen? So, so it says, go. See, when, when you know what to do and you don't do it, hesitation is sin. Hesitation is sin procrastination is sin if you know what to do if God has already told you to do it if everybody around you a council of witnesses has told you not to or to then then hesitation is sin amen okay so as soon as check this out this is funny as soon as he gets to the city there was a woman gathering sticks Soon as he get, remember he said, go to Zarephath. When you get to Zarephath, I've commanded some, a widow to take care of you, to feed you. So as soon as he gets into the city, <coughs> sorry, there's this lady gathering sticks. And so he goes to the lady, he says, please fetch me a, a cup of water that I may drink. And so the lady looks at him. And she goes, I guess, to get him water. And then as she's going, he says, but wait, also fetch me a morsel of bread that I may eat. And it says, scripture tells us right there that this humble little foreign widow got ghetto on him. She said, listen, let me tell you what's up. She said, I don't have anything. I don't even have a loaf of bread that I can cut a piece off to give to you. I have nothing. All I have is a little bit of a grain and a little bit of oil. And right now, you interrupted me. You caught me out here gathering some sticks because I'm going to go into the house. I'm going to start a little fire. I'm going to cook the last little bit of bread that we can make. And I'm going to feed it to my son so that we can both die. Thank you. She got ghetto. She gave him all the baby drama. She gave him everything in the first four seconds. I don't know about you, but if it was me, I'll be honest with you, I, my first thought would have been, that's not the woman. Right? I would have said, thank you, excuse me. I would have looked for the sugar mama in town that had all the money. I said, God, you sent me to somebody that's going to provide. You, told, you said somebody's going to give me something. So obviously it's not going to be this broke woman with no bread. Amen? She said, I got nothing for you and I definitely got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. Nothing for me. I got nothing for you. See, but the reason you and I would probably think that way was because... We hadn't just spent almost a year by the brook with no one to talk to but God. We, the reason you and I would skip the widow and go to the rich lady to find her at least, even though she didn't exist. The reason you and I, and that would have been the end of our ministry, we would have been around in Sarafeth forever looking for the rich woman. Never moving on. 
Some of you are still looking for the rich woman. Some of you are still looking for the rich man. <laughs> you got stuck. You missed it. You got stuck. Put your eyes back on the supplier. Forget about the supply, amen? Do what Simon says. Okay, so the reason, you know, you and I would think that way is because we didn't just spend almost a year by a brook by ourselves, drinking from the brook and eating food that a bird brought him twice a day. Do, do, do you understand the kind of reliance that that would take? If I told you, just lock yourself in your house because there's a mouse that's going to bring you food through a little crack and he's going to bring you every day cheese and meat and you're going to eat, drink from the leaky pipe in the, in the basement. It was just as bad. A raven is an unclean bird. So for Jewish people, a raven is a carnivorous, nasty animal. Have you ever seen a raven? They don't give up food. So that's a miracle in, in, in and of itself. But, but understand, see, he had just spent almost a year relying and trusting on God. So what happens when this woman gives him all his, his baby drama? God had already, Elijah had already known, that, known by now at this point, he spent so much time with God, he knew Simon's voice. He, he's been, he, God's been teaching him to trust that supplier, not to worry about the supply. So Elijah steps up to the next challenge. See, I want to raise people in the church like this. Elijah steps up to the next challenge. The first challenge was trusting a bird and a brook. And now he's got to trust a broke woman with no bread. This lady has nothing. She's a widow. It means she has no income. She has a son that's obviously still too young to make any money. So she has no possible sign of income. There is no wick. There's no welfare. There's no Medicaid. There is nothing. You understand? She can't get in line and get a block of cheese that'll last her a month. Nothing. So, so this widow has nothing. She don't have two pennies to rub together. Listen to what Elijah says. Listen to what faith says to this woman. Go as you have said, but first make a small biscuit for me and then feed yourself and your son. For the word of the Lord says to you today, that jar of flour will not run out and that bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the land again. Say, that's bold. Woo. I know if I told some of the women in this church... I don't want to repeat what some of you would tell me. So obviously there's something about this woman that, that's a little special. So, he, so and, and, and understand, he's saying this to a woman who's a foreigner and not even a believer. So he's giving a prophetic word to an unbeliever about his God. Because his name is, my God is Yahweh. He's giving a prophetic word to an unbeliever telling her, My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. Don't trust in your supply. Learn about my supplier. Amen? I mean, no, that's a twofold blessing there. God is blessing him, but all of a sudden, God's blessing this lady for no reason. Amen? Sometimes you and I, we're that lady for no reason. I didn't get that. 
This widow has probably never been spoken to like this ever before. She's given a word of hope. She's probably never had a word of destiny spoken into her life. And she goes in and does what Elijah said. And for over two years, somebody praise God, that same little supply of flour and oil fed the three of them. For over two years. Now, now, now let's be real. You and I would have probably said, let me just take a little bit of flour today and a little bit. And so her cakes were probably this little the first day or two. Because she said, I, I believe what you say, but I'm going to be, I'm going to, you know, ration. Amen? But I imagine after a week or two of that flour not wasting, she was saying, eat, brother. Boom. She was making Flintstone cakes. Just, right, the big brunners rolling out biscuits like this. She's like, the flour didn't run out. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> you know, big cakes. I, I'm, I'm imagining after a couple of weeks of seeing God miraculously supply, you get crazy, right? You get bold. Anybody? I'd be making the largest cakes in bedrock. I mean, eh, you know, big cakes with the little supply. Anyway. Amen. See, so family, you can run out of supplies. You can run out of money, you can run out of stuff, but when you make God your source, supplies don't matter. Say amen. Tell somebody, supplies don't matter. See, Elijah had already learned from the brook and the bird and that God alone is his source. And so by the time he gets to Zarephath, he doesn't see the widow who's broke and depressed and has nothing but baby drama, has nothing to offer him as his source. He sees her as God's instrument and he sees her not as the source but as somebody that God is going to provide through. Amen? Woo! Okay. So we can look at this story focusing on Elijah and on everything that God is putting him through and how God is bringing him through these dry times in order to teach him and prepare him for bigger steps of faith. Amen? Say bigger steps of faith. That's, that's you and me. God is preparing us for bigger steps of faith. Bigger steps of faith. How many of you know that's risky? It's risky. Listen, we've only, our church is three years old, we've moved four times. Bigger steps of faith every time we had to double our rent or more. Bigger steps of faith, but God has met it every time. And God has been faithful every time. Amen? And even, check this out, I'm going to tell it. Even when all of you went on vacation and didn't think to, 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 to provide or didn't think that the bills still had to get paid here, even God still supplied with the 30, 40 people that did come. It doesn't matter because you're not the source. Amen? God is the source. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. So we can focus on that, you know, and, and, and I want this to be encouraging to, to many of you who are trying to follow after God and, and doing what He said, but sometimes, you know, you, a lot of the time you find yourselves in these dry brooks. You find, man, you start this ministry and nothing happens. You thought there was going to be, you know, I was going to change the Bronx with my ministry. And you got two people in the ministry. And one person's bored. And that's your sister. That's the only reason she's coming. Right? And, and you say, God, you know, and we say, man, we're going to build this, we're going to build it, we're going to build it, and nobody comes. Or you're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to pray, and nothing happens. So I, I want to encourage you, man, sometimes, amen, we find ourselves at these dry brooks surrounded by nothing but broken people. 
But I pray today you'd be encouraged that you would not grow weary in doing good because in the proper time, in due season, in the appointed season, you will reap if you don't grow tired and quit. Amen. Thank you, Laura. The flip side of this is to focus on the widow. She was a foreigner. She was from a pagan nation. She had lost her husband and was left with a kid to raise on her own. Do we understand that here in the Bronx today? This was in a time period where women couldn't do much to earn money. They had no respect. They had no training. The best that they could do was to search for the grain that was left after the harvester's harvest. So, so the, the, the only thing that she could do for money was to wait to the harvesters harvest all day and then go behind them and see what kind of grain they left and pick up the small pieces of grain that were left. Usually that was a full-time job and it only got you enough food for a day or two. How many of you understand living check to check? This widow was check to check. Day to day check to check. That's even scarier. Amen? No, there's no other source. And so, you know, we can look at it like that. She had, you know, th this was a single mom living check to check, but there was an appointed season coming. Nobody got excited. There was an appointed season coming in her life. Somebody say amen. Suddenly, this man of God shows up and, and her life takes a turn for the better. There's a man in the house now and he's coming as a blessing to this woman who was ready to die. Remember with her son, she was ready to just, let's eat the last happy meal and be dead. Starve, we're going to starve to death. That's what we're going to do. Me and my kid. Can you imagine the anguish? Of saying, this is the last thing I have to give you, Mike. My kid doesn't understand why I'm not going to have food tomorrow. Why I'm not going to have Fruit Loops tomorrow morning. Why there's no more milk. My kid's not going to understand why there's no bread for a sandwich. Or if there is bread, there's no meat. My kid's not going to understand. All he's going to know is, I'm hungry, mommy. I'm hungry. We haven't eaten in two or three days. Can you, I mean, put yourself in this, in this woman's position for a minute. But suddenly, how many love the word Suddenly. <clears throat> he's come to be a blessing this, this kid had no future he had no hope there's no doubt in my mind that this woman had prayed to her pagan god there's no doubt in my mind because she's been brought up this way and so she prayed she probably sacrificed she probably did everything that she could do to get the attention of this god and god has not listened to her what do you do when your god doesn't talk to you what do you do when your God doesn't provide? What do you do when your God doesn't answer? This woman has no hope, no future. Suddenly this man shows up and here's the key. She makes room for the prophet in her house. She makes a room in her house for this prophet. She is an unbelieving widow of a foreign God. She makes room for this prophet of God in her house and she experiences a miracle of provision. Family, you could say, the prophetic makes me uncomfortable. And I hear that all the time. I don't like the prophetic. I don't want people, you know, knowing God telling them anything about me. I don't want the prophetic. I don't want that. Listen, when you make room for the prophetic in your house, you, there is provision on your family. When you make room for the prophetic, God supplies provision. You can't tell God, I only want this part of you. 
right? God doesn't listen to us that way. He's Simon. We do what Simon says. Now, Simon don't do what we say, right? When Simon says do this, we do this. If we don't do this, we lose. When Simon says do this, we do we. And if we don't do this, then when he pours out, we don't catch. Because we're busy doing something else. Amen? If Simon says do this, that means he's going to put something in there. Amen? Woo, that's, y'all ain't ready for that. So, it's, it, it, it's, it's really scary to me. And, and when, when people tell me, you know, the prophetic scares me, I'd rather not be involved with that. I'd rather not have that in my church. I'd rather be in a church that doesn't do any of that. And so, what you're saying is I'd rather have a deaf and dumb God. I'd rather have a God that doesn't speak. I'd rather have a God that doesn't hear. He already gave us his Bible. We can read it. We can sing our worship songs. We can have a good time. Amen. God doesn't interfere Monday through Saturday. Except when I need him. Except when then I rub the lamp and he needs to show up and give me three wishes. What a great God, right? He's a big purple Aladdin. God. Come on. All right. So... Every day, so now she makes room for the prophetic. There's provision in her life. Every time she enters the kitchen, I tell you, she's making these big, big biscuits every day. And she's excited. And she's seeing with her eyes a miracle every single day. But what I didn't tell you is that one day now, all of a sudden, her son gets sick and dies. Man. Kayla said, what? I didn't make this up. That's the story. All of a sudden, one day, her son gets sick and dies. He wasn't sick for a long time. He didn't catch that. All of a sudden, he gets sick and he dies. Now, naturally, her attitude changes, correct? She starts thinking and talking like you and I. She said, God, why'd you ever show up in my house? Why'd you ever bring this man of God into my house so that God could expose my sins and kill my son? She flips, Right? She goes back to her old way of thinking for a moment. She said, why'd you ever come in, a holy man, barging into my house, exposing my sins and killing my son? See, when things are going good, it's easy to serve God, right? But when you start to lose some things that you thought you had, then we start questioning, don't we? Then we start rationalizing, right? Then we start saying, well, maybe it was better if God wasn't in my life. Then maybe that wouldn't have happened. No, that probably still would have happened. You just would have had no God to go to. Amen. So she starts talking to us. She blames him. She blames God that her son is dead. And, and now remember when we met her, she was about to go in and starve to death. A much more cruel and, and long drawn out death. Here her son got sick and died instantly. He didn't suffer. Hallelujah. Not hallelujah, but you understand. Right? But she's blaming God and she's ready, you know, she's miserable and she's saying, you know, and, and, and you have to think of why she's thinking that. See, she remembers her religious background. She remembers her God. She remembers how he was. And, and yet, all God is trying to show her is that he is not like the pagan gods that her people serve. God wants to show her that he is the true God and that he can provide for her. And Elijah does something here that was never done in Scripture. This is, this is crazy. Elijah has never read about this in, in the Bible that they had at the time. Elijah, this has never happened in history of Scripture. He says, give me the dead boy. Crazy, right? Why would he even think that? He says, give me the dead boy. See, I want to raise people that think this way. 
I want to have a church that thinks this way. I, <coughs> I want to have a church that thinks when a ministry dies, when something is not happening, I want to raise people in the body of Christ that says, give me that ministry. Give me that thing. I'm going to... And, and so he takes the dead child, he takes it to his room, and he lies over this kid and persistently prays. It says three times. So he prays persistently, and all of a sudden the breath comes back into the boy. He's alive. He brings him back. He says, here's your son. Say amen. See, if God hadn't taught Elijah to trust him with the brook and the bird, and then to trust him with the broke woman and the bread, he could never have trusted him with the body and the breath. Amen? Come on, that was better than you amen. That was good. That even rhymed. That was good. So, so, I mean, God, you know, I don't know what you guys are facing today. I don't know what you, if, who you can relate to today in this story. But the word of God today for you is simple. Listen. You might see yourself better in the heart of that woman, pushed aside, abandoned, forgotten, abused, with no hope, just about to give up. You might think about that all the time. You might have been just ready to give in today to have your just last meal and die spiritually. You might already feel dead spiritually. You might think you're at the end of your rope. It doesn't matter to anyone. But today God is crossing your path. Today God has put you in a safe place to hear a very dangerous message. God is crossing your path. And all he's saying to you today, if that's you, God is saying all you have to do is make room for me in your house. Make room for me. Thank you, brother. Taking a bath here, nobody help me out. All he's saying is make room for me in your house. Make room for me in your life and you will experience the provision that I have for you. Because God says, I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future, Jeremiah 29. Amen? Now whether you... Or you, you can see yourself as Elijah today, just a person trying to walk in God's ways, trying to follow after God. And sometimes when you're doing good and then you're trying, you find yourself in the midst of some really dry places. And you're trying to do God's will, but it seems like you're always, He's always sending you on some meaningless missions. I want to tell you today, do not grow weary or lose heart in doing right but continue in well-doing without weakening because there is a due time coming there is an appointed season that dryness is for a reason a problem is a message think about that today everything that you have gone through God will use for his good and for his benefits. Listen to this quote. God brings men into deep waters not to drown them, but to cleanse them. Let's bow our heads. We're going to open up the altars in a minute. I'm going to ask you to come, man, no matter where you, wherever you saw yourself today, wherever, if you just felt like quitting, man, don't even wait for me. Just come up and just, just come stand with us up here today. Or if you felt like that lady, you've just been abused and left aside and pushed aside and neglected for such a long time.
for such a long time. You thought nobody mattered. You thought nobody cared. You thought that, that God had forgotten about you. God's brought you into this place today to, to allow you to receive. And now, here's, here's what I want you to understand too. Here's what we're going to do today. And we're going to do this every other week, Gary. We've almost completed our classrooms to the side. They're, they're not fully complete, but they're functional. So every other week, our prophetic ministry and our prayer teams are going to go right after service into those two rooms. And we're going to provide a place for you to go and have someone pray for you, to have someone speak life into you, to have someone give you a destiny word of encouragement, a word of hope. We will not bring you in there to embarrass you. We will not bring you in there to tell your dirty laundry. We want you to receive something from God. That's going to be open every other week. We'll tell you each week when it's there. The prophetic team, the ministry team will stay there as long as it takes for each and every one that wants to hear a word from God today that hasn't already heard one to receive one personally. I believe God has already prepared the ministry team. God has already given them words. God has already, even, even through this message, sharpening them. If you're here for the first time today, this is who we are. And we'd like to invite you first. So I'm going to ask right now as we come to the altars to just worship, to just spend a couple of moments being refreshed in, in God's praise. I'm going to ask the worship team to just play softly. And the prophetic team, if you would go to the rooms, wherever God, uh, uh, Gary has assigned, <coughs> if you would set those, those rooms up and, and just prepare to just receive God's people. Before we leave, Simon says to come and worship. Would you listen to that today? supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.